an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Please welcome Drew Barrymore. It's going to be a very good day today. We have a big show for you. She has a uh, big book out now. Huma Abedin is here. And I'm very excited for this conversation. I have been gearing up for it for what feels like weeks. Um, But first, as we do here, we like to get into what's happening in the world. What's the good news? What's the funny news? I don't know. I need to know, though. Let's hit the headlines. All righty, then. It is time for Drew's News, where we crack open the good news soda can. And And with me at the desk, the co-pilot of any girl's dreams, Rossi Ross Matthews. Hey, I'm a big girl. Hi, everybody. Hi. Well, first up, our story today, it's going to be wedding bells for Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox. Yes. But we got details on that ring. And I liked finding out what they were. People reports that Machine Gun Kelly designed it himself. He also designed it with thorn tips so that if Megan tries to take it off, it hurts a little bit. Okay, well. That feels very in keeping with them. Uh, a little torture, a little mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the ring is actually two rings, one emerald for her birthstone, mm-hmm. one diamond for his, another detail I liked knowing. And then the two are attracted to each other by a magnet that snaps them together. What's this couple gonna do next, Rossi? I'm here for this. Uh, you know, I'm here for it too. I'm glad they found each other because they, they said after they got engaged, they drank each other's blood. Yeah. Was, uh-huh, cute, okay. And then... Um, the Which again, I couldn't tell if they were being jokey or serious. I never know, but I'm here for all of it. I'm here for it, but I don't know about a thorn that hurts when you take it off. I like, I like to kick it old school and just not to be able to take it off when I eat too much bacon. You know what I mean? Like that's the way it should be. Well, that's why there's S and M. <laughs> I'm less S and M and more M and M. That's kind of how I roll. <laughs> Touche. But I'm glad, I really am glad that they found each other. I All am right. too. Next up, we've got some news on one of my favorite bodily functions. It's laughter. Yay, uh-huh. laughter! <laughs> I love this story so much. 
I know. can't even handle Get it. Get ready for it. Upward reports. Scientists have actually discovered at least 65 different species of animals. They love a good laugh too. Gorillas, chimpanzees, seals, dogs, cows, rats, they all get the giggles. And right, can you imagine how cute, like just picture like a fox giggling. Can you even picture it? Well, guess what? We have video of foxes giggling. Look at this. Okay, <laughs> sorry, is that not? And this is the kind of news I need in my day. I need to see that fox. I didn't even know that animals really could laugh. Do you know how, I, I try to like make jokes to my chihuahuas, they won't even throw me a bone, nothing. But now I can't stop thinking about animals I want to see laugh. Like, don't you want to see a dolphin giggle? I feel like that's what they're doing. <laughs> that's right! You know what, I, ha I didn't know you could do a, a dolphin sound. I do like, to, I, I do dolphin. What other animals can you do? I don't know, test me. Okay, do a horse. <laughs> okay, throw one at me, that's good. Horsey? Yeah. <laughs> Your horse. <laughs> My horse is gay, I just was so you know. Say, <laughs> what is a gay horsey? Hey. hey! But I will be channeling the visual of that fox for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like that is goals sure. right there. Well, oh. next up, I asked the news division, I said, listen, we have got to get some information on why this phenomenon is taking place. Why two days ago mm -hmm. did I not know about Wordle uh -huh. and now I can't open a cupboard without Wordle popping out. Can I tell you, this morning, Welly said, we've got to play Wordle. I had never heard about it until this morning, and now we're talking about it. So Everyone is. I'm like origin story, okay? Because mm -hmm. if you're not already on the Wordle train, and I know it just sounds like a word that's like nonsense, but listen to this. It's not nonsense. The New York Times reports that Wordle is the daily word game on your phone that's become an absolute viral a runaway hit. Not to be mistaken by an app. It's only a link right now, but wait to see what's coming with this. It was created last fall by a software engineer named Josh Wardle. And it was a sweet gift for his partner because she loved word games and she loved it so much. Josh ended up sharing it with the world and on November 1st, 90 people played. And today, over 2.5 million people play worldwide. Yes. And it's growing bigger and bigger by the hour, not just the day. Why the Wordle fever? It's fun, it's quick, it's free. It's new every day, it gives you a tiny win, and it's shareable. Players are sharing cute little emoji boards to show their scores every day. Rossi? Well, I love this because you can actually only play it once a day. Mm -hmm. And if you're anything like me, you get those games on the phone and you're like, oh, I've been candy crushing for two and a half hours, sorry. <laughs> so this is like perfect. You get in there, it really challenges your mind. And the way it works is, it's hard to explain, but really easy to play. And it becomes addictive. Like I know that every day I'm gonna wake up and wordle it out. Well, let's all get on this and good for Josh for doing this. And you know what, the fact that he created it for his partner, oh my God. All right, well, we're gonna cut to a quick commercial break, but I am very excited about our next story because we have a woman that went viral for getting so sick of being ghosted, she did something about mm -hmm. it. And it could work for all of us. So don't ghost us, we'll be right back. <laughs> Thank you.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to Truth News. Next up, if you're out there dating, and I know you can relate to this, I certainly can, Getting ghosted is kind of the worst. Mm -hmm. When someone goes poof on you, <laughs> especially after you've been connecting, yeah. that's when you go, okay, it's maybe it's ghosted, but it should be called, am I going crazy? Exactly. Um, so you're wondering what the heck went wrong. Our next guest went viral for trying to find out after a guy ghosted her, she sent him a thorough questionnaire to yes. get to the bottom of it. Yes, she did. I am so excited. Shanna Falk, tell Hi. us, teach us. Welcome, Shanna Hi. Falk. Hi, Shanna. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Oh. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. What inspired you to create and send this exit interview to the guy who ghosted you? So I recently changed jobs and in corporate America, once you leave a job, you typically go through an exit interview and not far after that happened, I got ghosted and I said, you know what, let's do something about this. Let's call him out on his actions. So I had gotten ghosted and I, we had that kind of comedy back and forth that I thought it would be funny to send him some funny questions, but really just to call him out on his behavior because it's not cool. It's really not cool. And <laughs> maybe learn something. Correct. Yeah. What was your mental strategy going into this as well? And what advice do you have for anyone who might want to attempt this? Yeah, so I went into it with an open mind knowing that one, he may not respond. And I already got my answer when he ghosted me. So that was, that was my first initial reaction. I already got my answer when he stopped texting me. Um, I know my self-worth, my self-confidence is better than that. So I knew I wasn't going to get anything yes. out of it. Anything. Yes. Thank you. I love and I'm, I'm curious, what kind of questions did you put on the questionnaire? Like, how'd you start? That's the good questions. <laughs> just lighthearted questions. Um, one, really just being able for him to be able to self-reflect on some things, just calling him out. Uh, one, how good looking am I? Uh, oh my God, <laughs> you did not. Great <laughs> <laughs> my personality, but they really weren't questions about me. It was more for him to self-reflect on the actions uh, yeah. that he... What else? Give us the yeah, rest did, of the did questions. Did you ask, like, where'd you go? <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I did. I said, well, I asked why he ghosted me. Mm -hmm. um, and really just the multiple choice questions were just, hey, this is, this is going to be funny either way for me. Um, so, yeah, so there's there's some funny questions in there, but rating my personality, rating my looks, which I don't care what he said either way. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, just, you know, why he ghosted me, what happened. So you sent these questions, and then we have to know, did he write back? He did. He did? <gasps> love <laughs> Tell me every. what did he say? Yeah, so he initially, you know, gave me great responses, but the big thing was is things were moving too fast for him. The connection was really strong between us, which is also why I kind of sent this to him, what went wrong. There was no defining moment um, as to why he ghosted me. We weren't talking about anything specific when it happened. So um, he was he was open to let me know that it was just moving too fast for him and that he was the one in the wrong, so. 
Mm, I'm glad you took responsibility for it. I mean, like, you know, if, I think anybody that's ghosted somebody, it's usually has to do with that person. Like, they're not ready to be in a relationship. And at least he owned those feelings, but. You know what, women, I, how is it for men? Because women love closure. Oh yeah. It's like, I almost don't care what the answer is. I would just prefer the answer. Mm. Um, so how has everybody responded to this? Cause this has gone bananas. It's viral, everybody's talking about it. Like a million views on TikTok, thousands of responses. What are people saying? Yeah. yeah. It just really kind of built a community where people were open and honest about, hey, this happened to me. Really made me realize that I want to get back to dating in the real world. I hate the apps. I'm over them. Uh, there's just so much missed in the apps. So I've been uh, working on creating a social group here in Nashville for singles, just to meet out in public, um, get back out into the world, and uh, and and get off the apps. There's so much missed on the apps of personality, and um, they can be pretty shallow at times. So right. working on getting that started. Shanna, I bet the company that lost you is really bummed out right now. You are so smart. Yeah. I bet Thank the man you. that lost you is pretty bummed out too. I know, you are like the biggest catch personally and professionally. Do you mind if we circle back with you again? I'd like to catch up with you again. Um, I would love that. All right, thank you so much, Shanna Falk. This is not the end of it. We're coming back. I need more. Yeah. We'll be right back. You have so many good ideas. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. of our next guest is truly fascinating. Um, she built a very successful career working alongside Hillary Clinton. Navigating the difficulties of her personal life became another aspect of what we know about her. Now she's in control and sharing her story in a new memoir. It's right here, I've read it, take a look. From a behind-the-scenes aide to one of politics' biggest names to front and center on the cover of tabloids, Huma Abedin has lived in many worlds. Now she's ready to share her side of the story. Born in Michigan and raised in Saudi Arabia, Huma went to a girls' school before finally returning to the U.S. to attend George Washington University. By the time she was a senior, Huma knew without a doubt that she wanted to work in public service. Then, in 1996, she earned an internship at the White House. Huma quickly moved up the ranks, landing as an aide to then First Lady Hillary Clinton. Working side by side, the pair became fast friends and Huma spent 25 years alongside the political powerhouse as an invaluable advisor. In her new memoir, Both and A Life in Many Worlds, Huma dives into her many personal worlds of family, motherhood, religion, marriage, career, and more. For the first time ever, Huma also opens up about the trauma she endured in her relationship with former husband, Anthony Weiner. 
and the loss of privacy that came with every one of his scandals. But through it all, Huma has proven to be a beacon of grace and resilience. Please welcome Huma Abedin! Okay, so you and I know each other. We've known each other over many years. Um, in similar circles and circumstances, we've really spoken to each other like two women, two humans. And what I didn't know was that you were staying at Anna Wintour's house and that she was a source of consistent check-ins as well as encouragement for this. Is this true? Absolutely true. You know, she is, the, the book was her idea. And, um, and to have a friend like Anna, she really was the first person who called me right after the 2016 election and you know, when half the country was in mourning uh, over that loss. And I was so devastated, I was so shattered. And she calls me and said, we're going to dinner. And at dinner she said, I know what you should do next, you should write your story, it's a good story and you should write it. And I wasn't convinced that I would. I went and then talked to Hillary a couple of days later, she said I should do it. It took some convincing for me to do it, but I did and I'm glad I did. And it's been incredible therapy and being out in the world there's something so liberating and empowering about it. I really enjoyed it. I'm so excited to know that like Anna Wintour, you know, was there to nurture you. Um, and she's not the warmest creature, you know? So I love hearing that the, you know, this very stoic woman was what you needed when she was there for you? Well, she actually gave me the gift of friendship at a time when I really needed it. It was uh, in the midst of one of my very difficult periods in my marriage, and there was a public um, demand uh, uh, that I be fired uh, because I had chosen to stay with my husband um, who had been unfaithful to me, and I, at that moment, had chosen to stay with him. And I remember we were at this dinner, and all the headlines were, is Hillary gonna fire Huma? And in the middle of this dinner, she walks over to me as you know the cameras are following and says, would you like to have lunch sometime? And really ever since that moment, you know, pushed me all the time, was always there if I needed something, but pushed me to make decisions, to stay true to myself, to not listen to my detractors. And I'm really great. I've had that with Hillary and I've had that with Anna and I'm just privileged to have two women like that in my life. All right, we're talking about really strong women, huge figures here and Hillary, you know, HRC, as you call her throughout the book. And she famously made a life choice, a political decision, a personal mm. decision. And we're putting ourselves out there. So make no mistake, we've chosen public life. Yes. <clears throat> we're not naive about that. We've made a conscious choice. Yes. And is it true that you would go and talk to her each time uh, a transgression, as you call it throughout the book with Anthony, you would go into her office, a woman who probably there's no one who could understand more, living in the life, being a huge political figure. What were those conversations? I think one of the greatest gifts, walking into the White House at 21 uh, during the Clinton administration, I joined this club. It's a club that comes with lifetime membership and it's a club called Hillary Land. 
And the thing that's amazing about being in this environment is that it was a workspace where you walked in and you felt like you were respected and your work was valued and everyone took responsibility for things as a community. It was a very much a sense of support. So we, I would say, you know, that it was a, a place where as women climbed up the ladders of success, they did not step on the fingers of the women below them, mm -hmm. but reached the lowest and pulled the rest of us up too. So it was an environment where it was like, how do we do this job better? Or you did a great job on that speech. How's your mother doing? You should go talk to my allergist. Happy birthday. Right. And Hillary Land was all of those things because Hillary Clinton is all of those things. And so to be part of that community, I think did help me throughout obviously the highs in my life and certainly the lows in my life. And every time I did, have a personal problem. And it wasn't just in my relationship, just generally I'm not feeling well, my mom is not doing well. She always approached these conversations as a friend first and as a boss second. And the advice she always gave me was, do what is right for, I'm here. You do what is right for you. It was never judgmental. And whatever you choose to do, I'm gonna support you. And did she ever relate? I mean, when I call, you're Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin, but you know, I don't know myself as anyone but another human walking around the planet. And I will pick up the, the phone and call my best friend Nan and go, like, I, I think my marriage is falling apart. I, I'm so scared. I'm freaking out. I, I'm paralyzed with fear, anxiety. I can't function. Uh, I had a book coming out and Will and I were having discussions that it was not it was not healthy it was not good it was derailing and as i'm publicly putting a book out i know behind the scenes literally as it's coming out i have to call my publisher and say I, I, everything is falling apart what do i do and i mean did you have those you're walking in and and you're like it's falling apart again what what are those conversations i'm your parallel i mean just the fact that you say that i mean it's one of the reasons i chose to write my story i mean everything that you just said is just touching my heart right here because i did exactly the same thing drew and just looking at you and will from the outside back then everything was perfect and I certainly thought I was living that too. I mean, I waited, I, I thought I did everything right. I waited for the perfect man. I wait, Anthony was the first man I was ever with, Drew. I mean, it was sort of, I waited for the perfect man. He swept me off my feet. When I was with him, I felt like nothing could ever go wrong. He was so smart. I mean, people might not remember me. He was a rising star in the Democratic Party. I was, I was intimidated by him, you know, being out in public. I already worked for somebody, you know, famous being, in a relationship with somebody well-known, it was a little intimidating to me, but he just swept me off my feet. And I did think I was living a fairy tale. I share a story in the book about waking up at Buckingham Palace, writing a letter to my new husband saying, how is it possible for life to be this perfect? We have to be so grateful to God. We can't, you know, we have to be so grateful. And three days later, everything fell apart. I remember getting on a plane, traveling to Europe, and getting a call from the White House Deputy Chief of Staff saying, and obviously the story had broken at this point, and, um, and, and saying, we're all thinking about you. The president wants to reach out. President Obama was president at the time. Can you imagine? And I'm sitting on that plane, looking out the window at this dark sky and saying, please just tell the president I'm so sorry for embarrassing the administration this way. I mean, that is what my parallel was to that story you were saying, like how was I gonna get it, you know, get through 
the next few days. But you figured it out, I figured it out. We had to figure it out. Thank you for being so open for this very important conversation that I have looked forward to having with you. We gotta go to a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. marriage did not end one day. It took time to get there and you do the work. You had to do that in front of everybody, but it's the same. And I am disappointed when people judge that and don't understand, especially when there are children involved. Yeah. I think everything is different when you have children. I think, you know, the very fact that I wasn't even 12 weeks pregnant. I mean, I, yes, the first time it happened with Anthony, the story broke. Number one, I was still deeply in love with my husband. I was also in shock. I also didn't understand the behavior, but yes, it would have been so much easier to just walk away, except that we share this child together. And I walked in so much shame for so long. I write a whole chapter about this feeling like the elephant in the room, not knowing where I was welcome. It's just a horrible feeling. I think a lot of women feel like they're judged for Okay, decisions. you just brought up a really trigger key point, shame. Mm. I have a circumstance that I thought of you. Mm. I was walking out of my OBGYN and um, I had just found out I was pregnant. And um, mm. I walked out of her office and someone I work with, Chris Miller, got all these calls. We know she's pregnant, we're breaking the story. He's like, you guys always talk like this. We're at a no comment group, come on, you're being silly. And they're like, well, take a look at this, and it's the picture, and I was stupid enough to carry the sonogram in my hand out with me. I was depressed or saddened, kind of, that I didn't get to um, have that be a, a private thing, a moment, or just to wrap my head around it. Is it true that you, one of your toughest phone calls was of all that you had to deal with, was about your pregnancy. I was, uh, I don't wanna, I wanna say eight weeks pregnant. The story I tell about being at Buckingham Palace, three days later, the story breaks about Anthony being in communication online with other women. And two days later, I get a phone call from my friend, Philippe. He said, uh, this is a very awkward conversation for me, but you know, the New York Times has called and they're about to report that you're pregnant. And um, is there, anything you want to share. He obviously didn't know. And I was so mad. I had so much rage. I felt like this deep, this secret. I hadn't told anybody. I told, we told our parents and our siblings. And so um, he said, do you want to, you know, do you want to tell Hillary? Do you want to call people? I said, no, I dare them. I dare them to run this story. I'm not even 12 weeks pregnant. And of course they did. And I was so shattered, I was so broken by not being able to share what for me was a once in a lifetime gift. Yes. That till today, today, and I did it yesterday in the kitchen, 
that I wander around and when I'm in the shower or shopping, I'll just say I'm pregnant. And I say it because I never got to say it <clears throat> before. Um, and yesterday, Jordan said to me, Mommy, you're pregnant? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. And, but it, it reminds you that there are things that do stay with you. I so appreciate hearing that because it's not always what you expect is the moment. Yeah. Here's what I mean. So when I got that phone call from Chris Miller of, I gotta tell you something, something is coming out. Um, it wasn't the pregnancy I feared. It was being caught drinking. And I felt like this was my mm -hmm. shame. Um, and I was almost relieved when it wasn't that. When people find out your deepest, darkest secrets, and I experienced that when I was 13 years old and got outed and thrown into an institution and career over, I, was, I, I have such PTSD from that that I think if someone's gonna catch me drinking again, I'm gonna lose my career. I'm gonna lose my job that I love so much. And it's so traumatizing. And that was my thing. And it carries with it so much shame. Yeah. How did you deal with that? The first time Anthony and I sat down after his first, you know, the first revelation about his communication with women online, I felt, and we went away, we went to Texas to therapy. I didn't understand anything. I didn't understand anything about, you know, behavior that you couldn't control. I didn't understand addiction. I didn't know anybody growing up really who w was divorced or split up. We, these weren't things you talked about in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. and I felt like the minute it was all out, he seemed so relieved. He was like almost like an unburdening. And he said, well, how do I stop the behavior and how do I fix it? And I fully believed he could knock it off. 100% thought in 2011 when this first happened, he could just stop. And then we learned later when he ran for mayor of New York City in 2013, when there was another revelation that he clearly couldn't stop it. So every time I would get a call, whether it was from Anthony or Philippe, as we talked about, every time it was a call or a text saying, this tabloid called, or I have to tell you something, it is how bad is it? And, and living within this world of, it's not gonna be as bad as I think it is, it's gonna be worse because it always was. And that's why in 2019, and I do share the story in the book of really when I got to the end of my, I couldn't, you know, I contemplated stepping off a subway platform. It was really my low of the low. And when I did that, there were two things that came, really came to me as number one, all of this holding everything and all of this anger and bitterness was only hurting me. It's something I later learned with Anthony in therapy is that while pain might be necessary, suffering is optional. Yeah. We have to go to another commercial really quickly, but we will be right back. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. conversation that I fantasized about, something that is very honest, very deep, very candid, humor, breaking it all down. Thank you for doing this with me. Okay, there's a quote that I love. It said, trust patterns, not apologies. Wow. I know. Brilliant. Right? Yeah. 
trust patterns, not apologies, do you think they'll ever change? That's a big part of this process, this disclosure process that couples go through. And you know, some people get to the end of the process and it's, it's where you have to share the full truth and process it together. And some couples choose to stay together. It did not end up being the right decision for us. And in the end, what is the most important thing to both of us? Our Pardon. child. I mean, it is all about him. You know, when Anthony, um, you know, Anthony was sentenced to federal prison um, for a little under two years, and I, and my son was five, and I said, I am not under any circumstances going to take him to visit his father. Like, I would not put him. It will be too traumatic. And I remember we went away for the holidays, and we traveled. We were lucky enough to travel with the Clintons, and here we are. We're at this beautiful house and this beautiful resort, and we're going out to dinner every night, and the kids are playing in the beach and playing. You know, it's. I mean, it is essentially heaven, fantasy, right? Fantasy. And one night we're at dinner with this family we had just met on the beach, and the little boy who was my son's age goes up to his father and puts his hands up in the air to be lifted. And the, the man, the father lifts up the son, Joseph, and, and is holding him. And Jordan turns to me and just breaks down and says, I want my daddy, I want my daddy, and was inconsolable. And that was my, like, that was my moment of, you can give everything to your child if you have the capacity to that is tangible, that is things, but nothing is gonna replace the hole in the heart that is the absence of a parent. And I made a promise to him the next day I said I would take him to see his dad, and I did. I appreciate that high road behavior uh, so much. So here you are. Here and I am. In the analogy and metaphors of books, what is your next chapter? Every day I wake up and I'm healthy and happy and have my little boy, I, have, I am grateful, I have gratitude for that because I've also had an extraordinarily privileged life. I've been walked in spaces and places and you know, that I would, have, I would have never imagined. And so I do have the ability to get up and say, you know what, I'm opening, I'm opening up my life, my truth, and it's been pretty, it's been amazing. And I wanna hear that from people who have walked through the fire. Um, okay, last question, woman to woman. Oh. Did you ever tell Anthony, I love you, but I'm not taking your last name? <laughs> it wasn't even, it wasn't, it never even came up. It was not, it was not even an issue that I was gonna take his last name. In fact, at one point, um, yeah, he didn't even ask. That's so funny. Okay, you're here this moment. I can't wait to see what unveils next. I, thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for this profound conversation that I've been waiting around for so many weeks since this book came out. Everybody's talking about it. Puma Abedin, her New York Times best-selling memoir, Both and A Life in Many Worlds, is on sale right now. Thank you, Huma. Thank you. We'll be right back. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at SCS georgetown.edu slash podcast.
dance prodigy who we've been following for years. I mean, she was the most popular person on the reality show, Dance Moms. I know. And everybody was devastated when she left, but then she went on to have this whole big life with Sia and be her muse and in all her videos and tour with her. And, you know, I mean, her just her whole career and body of work is so impressive. Anyway, now she's starring in the new HBO Max movie, which is a critical darling. I mean, people are really freaking out about this movie. It's a big deal. Take a look. Now Drake, Degrassi Drake. Choose. <laughs> I like wheelchair Drake. Wheelchair Jimmy! 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 <laughs> Jimmy! Please welcome from the fallout, the very talented Maddie Ziegler. Um, I just asked your age, 19, and so how old were you when I first met you, which was at Ellen, right? Yes, yes. And you were performing the Sia video live in front of everybody. You mm -hmm. were about to you know, be so groundbreaking, the two of you. Thank you, I really appreciate it. I think I was 11. Yeah, so it was a really long time ago. And I always remember meeting you and I, I'll never forget that, it was so cool for me. Well, I was so moved by Thank what you. you and Sia were doing. It Thank was you. performance art, but it didn't have a wall up to it. Yeah, totally. It was breaking walls down. Thank you. But in the coolest, most profound, talented, artistic, I mean, you two really have a, an incredible connection, and I do believe in the muse. Thank you, yeah. Uh, I can't believe she trusted me with that kind of responsibility, but it was a wild ride, and I'm so grateful for the experience. Just kind of like everything I learned as a dancer was kind of broken down, like you said, uh, when I started working with her, and I learned that flaws were beautiful, and I learned that not everything had to be so calculated and perfect, and was yeah. that counterintuitive to what you had been learning thus far? Totally, totally. Well, the person who changed my life when I was six years old, um, and I tried to be his muse, um, Steven Spielberg, you're of in course. his latest movie, West Side Story. <laughs> Break it down. How's it working with Steven? I mean, you know, he's like, seriously one of the most incredible people I've ever met. I was so lucky to do that. Uh, I was 16 when I filmed that and I was definitely one of the youngest cast members and I was just like absorbing every moment. I was just trying to like really just uh, be present in every moment I could. I, I absolutely adored the experience. It was so fun. I mean, uh, he is so, what, so, he's such a like dad. <laughs> like, I love it. He's, you know, I saw him as more of like a father figure growing up. Totally. But now that I'm older and he knows my little kids and we've come sort of full circle, I'm like, God, you're so cool. No, he's the coolest. He's so, and I mean like hip, trendy, yeah. up on everything, like hangs hard with the kids. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, all the dad vibes I would get the from him growing the up. The best dad vibes. I, I, but he still has those two, he's so nurturing. I know, I love it, I love it so much. Okay, um, now, uh, my daughter just got into a little dance troupe. Oh. She made uh, the auditions and she is in a little dance troupe now. Um, she has an outfit, they're yeah. all matching. Maddie, may I 
ask some uh, maternal advice. Of course. Um, as we both know, being a kid and an adult and an adult and a kid, totally. how, what's your advice for me? Yeah, um, this is something that I really realized as I've started to get a little older is that I was taught to like stay so focused and not engage with your competitors or your other, whether it be a different studio or even your own teammates. And I think like I realized that winning means nothing, that the only thing that really mattered and I wish I took more seriously was really having community with my friends and supporting them and being inspired by them and rather of not be scared of the people who might be better than you, but actually just enjoy it and, and learn something from them. And I, I really, that's the best advice I could try and possibly give is just like, accomplishments are cool, but they're not everything. And finding community in your friends is the most important thing. Well, you'll be so proud to hear. She ran out of the class in the freezing cold the other day and other night in her t-shirt so that she could give her fellow dancers and her troupe like little presents. I love and it. And I was like, oh no! I love it. Okay, we have a segment on the show here called Dear Drew, and it is all dedicated to my love of snail mail. I'm not alone here. I'm obsessed with like the smell of mail. <laughs> how did this start? I don't know, and I, I also don't know how anyone found this out about me, and I'm kind of weirded out by it, but I... Well, I thank you, producer, yeah, and our research yeah. I was like, hmm, where did I say that a long time ago? No, but I absolutely am obsessed with... I wish I could just put it into a bottle and spray it on me as perfume. <laughs> I, I'm so happy you like this because my family makes fun of me for it, and I'm like... <laughs> Literally, I walk in and I just like really embrace everything that's going on in would the moment. Would you please ever do a Dear Drew with me if you're I in town? I would love to. Okay, this is a date. Um, okay, tell me about the film that is uh, coming out. It's The Fallout. Yes. It's uh, really winning awards, critical darling. People are freaking out. Tell me about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm so lucky to be a part of it. Um, the Fallout is a coming of age story of these high school students. Uh, who kind of share a unique bond and navigating love and self-discovery and healing uh, kind of in the aftermath of a tragedy that happens. Yeah, I was shocked when I was watching it and understood what the premise was because I didn't know going into yeah. it. And it hits you quick, yeah. I'm also amazed that there's a film being made about that subject, yeah. considering it's something I don't want it to be the case, but yeah. people are going through. Totally, and it's something that needs to be talked about just because it's the realistic you know, way of the world. And un it's unfortunate, it really is. And there's so much fear that high school students must face every day, but it's, it needs to be talked about. I can't wait for this to come out. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh my gosh, awesome. thank you for having me. Oh, Maddie Ziegler, the Fallout premieres on HBO Max January 27th. And uh, we have things to look forward to. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Watch out, snail mail. Maddie and I are coming for you. We'll be right back. <laughs> A quick round of truth or dare. And we have an audience member. Where's Priya Limbaccia? Priya? Hi. 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 Hi, Priya. Okay, so anything goes here, but is it gonna be a truth or is it gonna be a dare? I challenge you to a dare. All okay. right. All right. Bring it on, Priya. 
I dare you to a staring contest with me. You know the rules. First one to blink loses. <laughs> all right, let me get all my blinks out. Okay, get them out, get them out. Mm -hmm. And go. Oh, this is riveting. Who will blink first? Oh, oh no! Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts.